0: This morning, if you have your Bible, you might want to follow along with me as we look at some passages, but I want us to talk about a faith that is developed and refined in fire. I want us to develop, talk about a faith that is strong and courageous. If you have your Bible, you might want to go ahead and open it to Joshua chapter 1 because that's where that phrase is used several times. Uh, Be strong and be courageous. Do not be afraid, the Lord would tell Joshua as they were about to cross over into the promised land. You know, they had gotten to this point 40 years earlier. And they sent out 12 spies and that didn't work so well. They came back or 10 of those spies came back and said, oh, we can't do it. There's no way. Only two spies came back with a good report. And so they're at the very same place. Forty years later, this time they send two spies in. I wonder if there was anything to do with that. They didn't send 12 in again. They just sent two in. And as they get to this point, it was faithlessness that kept them from entering 40 years earlier. And so God is like really pounding the point home. Be strong. Be courageous. Do not be afraid. And he'll say that several times. But here's here's my point. Here's what I want to ask you. How can we have a strong and courageous faith in a permissive society? You know, I know how other people, and when I read Bible stories about these characters, they did great things, and you're just like so impressed with the way they behaved and, and the risk that they were willing to take, and, and you have these heroes built up in your mind because they were courageous men and women of God. But how do I get to do that today? I don't have anybody threatening my life. I don't have anybody, if I go out and practice Christianity, it's going to drag me down the road and kill me. I, I don't risk being beheaded and, or crucified or used as a light post at night where they tar me and, and light me on fire. How do I live out a courageous faith in a society that seems to say, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, if that's what you want to do, go ahead and do it. I want us to be courageous Christians. I want us to have a strong and courageous faith. But sometimes we look and we say, but I but I can't. I mean not here, not in our culture. Maybe if I lived in an Islamic country where, you know, I, I was really risking my life and things were a little hairy, then then maybe so, but not here. I mean, how am I going to be courageous today? Uh, it Carrying our Bible, about the worst you're going to get for carrying a Bible is somebody go, that's about it. You know, they laugh at you, talk behind your back. That, that doesn't take courage when really nearly everybody has a Bible anyway and they carry it to church just like you do. How do I become courageous in a permissive society? Well, I want us to look, and I want to hopefully answer that, but I want you to see some examples of courageous people in the Bible. And the first we'll talk about is in Daniel chapter 3. Um, Daniel chapter 3, verses 1 through 30, the account of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were young men hauled off from home, uh, captives, prisoners of war. And they were told that they were to worship Nebuchadnezzar, and if they didn't bow down to this image, they would be thrown in a fiery furnace. Well, they refused to do so. While everybody else bowed down at the appropriate time, they stood their ground, and it made Nebuchadnezzar mad. He heated up the ovens uh, so much; well, they were so hot that those who were instructed to throw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace they died just by getting close. That's faith, that's courage, to be able to see the furnace and the glowing red and still to hold to your convictions and say, hey, you know what, and I love what they said to Nebuchadnezzar, you cannot force us to do this. You can take our lives, but we're going to be delivered from you. One way or another, whether God uh, delivers us from the fiery furnace or whether we burn up in it, we will be delivered from you. you. You don't have that kind of power over us. Wouldn't you love to have that kind of courageous faith? To stand in the face of death, a, a, a horrible death, and say, I am standing for God. You can do what you want. Those guys, that they had courageous faith. You just flip over two chapters and you get to the book of Daniel chapter 6. And Daniel in chapter 6, there has been an edict, he had his enemies, there's been an edict that says, you cannot pray to any God but Nebuchadnezzar, or I mean uh, Darius, Darius. And uh, he said, not me, it's my practice to pray to God. I pray three times a day. When the command was given not to pray to the God of heaven, the death penalty applied. You'd be thrown to a den of lions. I mean, just to keep your time frame right, Daniel's no longer a young boy taken off into captivity. There's been enough time elapsed. He's an old man. uh, Maybe in his 80s when this occurs. And Daniel says, I'm going to pray like I always do. And he went to his window and he prayed. Wouldn't that have been a good time to have prayed with the window closed? Wouldn't that have been a time to pray when uh, you you close up the house or just do it inside or to do it quietly where no one sees? Not Daniel. See, he had a practice of doing this every day, praying toward Jerusalem. And had he not done it, they would have thought, The people would have thought he was compromising. So he goes right back to where he always did, and he prayed, and because of that was thrown in a den of lions. He didn't know what the outcome of that would be. He had no guarantees. He would have been eaten alive by those lions as far as he knew. God chose to spare him of that. Here's a man, an older man, who says, I'm going to do what's right. You can throw me to the lions if you want to. I I can't think of very many more gruesome deaths than to be mauled like that. But he was okay with it if it meant being faithful to God. That's courageous faith. Well, look in uh, Revelation chapter 2, verse 13. In the New Testament, there was a man that just is mentioned briefly. His name was Antipas Antipas. And Jesus mentions this man, a martyr, for the cause of Christ. And what we know historically about Antipas was that he was put to death because of his faith in Christ. He wouldn't renounce it. And uh, he was told that the whole world was against him. And his response to that message was, Well, if the whole world is against me, then you know what? I'm against the whole world. That didn't change his mind. He stood for his Lord. And according to historical accounts, Antipas was burned to death, much like the sacrifice of children to the god Moloch. He was thrown in a cauldron that was just glowing red and died by being burned alive. Courageous faith. And then we come to this passage, if you have it again, in Joshua chapter 1. They are about to enter into the promised land. They've been here 40 years ago. They were right here. And the faithlessness of the people caused them to wander 40 years. And God's saying, let's not do this again. Look at verse 5. No man shall abide to stand before you all the days of your life as, I, as it was uh, with Moses. So I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide us an inheritance uh, the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. And do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. Look on down to verse 9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Look at verse 18. Whoever rebels against your command and does not heed your words and all that you command him shall be put to death. Only be strong and courageous and be of good courage. You get the idea? God wanted men and women of courage. You're going to face some stuff. We've been here before. Didn't, didn't work out so well. This time, I want you to know, I am with you. I will never leave your side. Be strong. Be courageous. Do not be afraid. And they succeeded. I want us to have that kind of a faith. But again, I ask myself, well, how can I do that? I mean, I'm not threatened with a fiery furnace. I'm not threatened with a den of lions. I'm not threatened to be burned to death. I'm not threatened to be cut in two. I, you know, I, so how can I, in a permissive society, be courageous? Boy, that man has a courageous faith. Well, how do you courageous when everybody allows anything and everything? Well, let's look at who can be courageous. Let, let's just look at... God doesn't call special people to this task. It's ordinary people. Um, Look at Exodus chapter 3. God calls Moses. At the time, Moses was a shepherd. He had been a shepherd for 40 years in the wilderness, taking care of sheep. And of all people, God calls him to say, I want you to go to the king of Egypt and say, let my people go. Moses is like, what, why me? What, what what do I have to say? He won't believe me. What do I have? What credentials do I have? In fact, I have a, a record. I don't think that I should even be going back there. Uh, I, I'm not good at speaking. There There are better people. Why me? God took Moses, an ordinary man, and said, you can do this. And, of course, we know he did. You can turn in your Bible to... First Samuel chapter sixteen, and you read about David. Saul sinned as king. He was presumptuous, became arrogant. And so God says, you're no longer going to be king of Israel. And so he, he set out to find a new king, and he told Samuel to go to the house of Jesse. And there Jesse had seven sons that he paraded in front of him because Samuel didn't know which son, but he said, God has led me here. Um, do you have sons? Can you lead them by me? God will tell me when. And so David or Jesse goes out and gets all of his boys, parades them in front of him. Not a one of them is the man. And so Samuel says, are you sure? I mean, is this all you got? Is there nobody? Because nobody here that you've shown me is the man that God has shown me. And he said, well, I, I do have one more, but he's just a kid. He's just a shepherd. I mean, I didn't even think he, he was even worth putting in the list. He didn't even make the lineup." And so when he was brought before, Samuel said, this is the man. This is the one that God has selected. Ordinary. The least of all of his brothers. And look at what David became. You can turn to Judges chapter 6 and you read about a man named Gideon. They had been oppressed by the Midianites for a number of years. And so God is going to raise up a deliverer, a judge in Israel. And he goes and gets Gideon. And Gideon basically says, are you sure you want me? Because, you see, I come from a tribe that is the least of all the tribes. And even in my own family, my own clan, I am the least in my own family. I am a nobody. You don't need me to be the deliverer of Israel. God says, you're the man. And look at what Gideon was able to accomplish. You can turn in your Bible to Amos chapter 7. And you can read in verse 16, Amos, or verse 14, Amos was a prophet uh, from Judah that was sent up to Israel, the northern kingdom, uh, to go tell them, straighten up. That's not a pleasant task, but he does it anyway. He goes up there and, and he preaches and condemns Israel for their behavior. And when they start saying, who do you think you are? He says, listen, I'm telling you, I am no prophet. I am not a son of a prophet. I am just a herdsman. I I, I breed sheep. That's all I do. I am a nobody. But look what God was able to do and the courage that he uh, aroused within Amos, the prophet. And then there's your story. Oh, you haven't been called by God? Well, sure you have. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 14, says that we've been called by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Called to what? Called to service of God. God needs you. He's called you to, just like He's called these others, not in as a specific way as He did them, but you too have been called for God. Now, what great courageous thing are you going to do? Well, here are some things that I think we can do, and this will be the rest of the lesson. I'm going to give you four ideas, ways to serve God courageously. We, we don't put our life on the line every day, but that doesn't mean we can't serve God courageously. I really think the biggest holdup and the biggest uh, obstacle to our courageous service comes right up here. It's in our own mind. It has nothing to do with others. It has everything to do with us. Do any of you have pets? Um, you know, we, we have a, a, a dog. That dog, you know, she loves me. Man, when I come home from work, she's got a ball and a sock in her mouth ready to go. You know, she, she wants to play and so excited. And we have, you know, a good pet. But what if, what if somebody said, oh, yeah, I've got a pet, an elephant, an elephant. Who has an elephant for a pet? But you know that there are people who have the ability to control elephants about like we control dogs. In the Far East, you know what they do? They take an elephant when it's very young. And they they drive a pole into the ground and get a very strong chain and tie it around that elephant's leg. And that thing wants to get free. And it pulls and pulls and pulls and tries and tries day after day after day and is unsuccessful. It's just not strong enough. And so, as that elephant gets older and stronger, it could easily break not the chain, but the thin rope that is around the elephant's leg. It could get free. It's not the chain or the rope that holds that elephant anymore, it's the mind of the elephant. It doesn't even try. It's tried so long and so hard that it's just it's given up. And I think that's what keeps us from serving God courageously. It's not that it's too hard. It's that we've given up. We we've got it in our mind that we can't do it. But we can. Let me give you four ways that we can do it. Number one, here's what we ought to start doing. We need to get outside of our comfort zone. We need to serve God in ways that we haven't done before and not quite comfortable with doing. Can you serve God outside your comfort zone? The Bible tells us in 1 uh, Corinthians chapter 9, and verse 22, Paul said, you know what? I have tried to become all things to all men so that I might by all means win some don't diminish that statement that paul made when he said i will by all means not just the means that we've always used not just the means that i'm comfortable with but by all means i will try to win sums you know what that means that means i'm going to do some things differently that means that this ought not be heard i haven't ever tried that before that's not the way we've always done it. How much work in the kingdom, how much good in the kingdom has been just squashed because of that kind of a mentality. That's not the mentality Paul had. He said, I will by all means win some. Of course, that's within the confines and the doctrine of Christ. But in those areas where I haven't yet ventured into, I'm not comfortable with, Will you risk your comfort zone and try to serve God? Um, I'd never done jail work till I came here. I was really uncomfortable going to jail, having those doors slammed behind you, uh, being in a room where there are a number of guys uh, that are there because of, of problems. I, I was really uncomfortable. Um... But you know that comfort level broadens and expands once you do it. It's not so intimidating anymore. Um, it, but, but I had to do it. I had done mission work before, usually uh, in, in Canada. And uh, I stayed in homes in Canada. But a few years ago, we went down to Honduras. You know, 30 or 5 or so of us went down there. And we stayed in tents and uh, in the downpouring rain and um, no indoor plumbing. Do you know what it's like for me to get in a little pup tent? I mean, I had to lay catty-cornered, catty-wapus or whatever you call it, you know. I I had to lay corner to corner just to get in that thing. And getting out every morning was kind of like, Taking a shirt off. You know, it was just, I mean, I was bigger than the tent I was in. Uncomfortable. Stretch my comfort zone. But boy, I'm glad I did that. If you want to serve God courageously, get out of your comfort zone. When opportunities arise to do something, don't just dismiss it and say, well, I've never done that before. That's not who I am. That's not what I do. Do it. Jump in. That shows your courage, your trust in God. He's by you, he'll never leave you. Believe him. Here's the second thing we can do to live courageously is go beyond what's required. What's expected of you, go go that extra mile. And Jesus talks about that principle in Matthew chapter 5. He says that, uh, you know, if someone compels you to go a mile with him, go two. Let's live by that. Let's make that a way of life. Let's do more than what people expect, and you will shock them. And I know I've given you this illustration before, but back a few years ago I was challenging a Bible class to do that in the, the town in which we lived. And and one of the men in the class was at a car wash, and uh, the man next to him in the booth next, his his time ran out on him. He couldn't get the quarters there in time. So this Christian went up, and he stuck quarters in, before it it completely stopped and reset that guy's time. Well, that man that was squirting his car just looked at him like, what in the world? You know, he was just frozen because this stranger had filled up his time. And so he finished doing his car and when he finished doing his car, he came over to this Christian he said, do I know you? And he said, no. He said, but you just put money in my car wash. And he said, yeah, I saw it was about to run out on you. He said, well, why? And he said, well, because I'm a Christian. And he said, where do you go to church? Because I want to go visit. And here's a random conversation. A man did what he wasn't obligated to do. He went above and beyond what he had to do. And look at the impact that it had. It makes a difference in people's lives. Go beyond just what's expected and what's required. Live um, to your fullest. Here's a third thing that that we can do to have a courageous faith in a permissive society. And that is uh, do things that don't have an immediate payoff. Don't just do things that, well, cause you to get pats on the back. Don't just do the things that everybody sees, and, and because they see you, they think better of you. Do things that no one is going to know about, and it won't pay any fruit or any dividends until years and years later. Isn't that how God served? When, if you have your Bible, open it to Hebrews chapter 12 real quickly, and... I don't know what all is entailed in this, but I think that there's the point is made. He says in Hebrews Hebrews chapter 12, look at verse 1. Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down on the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus did something. Whatever it may be, there was some joy that Jesus was aspiring to. There's something that I want from this. Now, you can identify that joy. Uh, I, I tend to think that it has to... What did Jesus not have? What does the God of heaven not have? fellowship with sinful man. And so because of that joy, he goes to the cross. He despises the shame, the humiliation of it. He endures the pain and the agony of dying on a cross. Why? So that he could have something that he won't get the next day. It'll be on down the road. Can you serve God in ways that don't bear fruit today, tomorrow, but will bear fruit Years from now, that maybe you don't get any personal good from, but others will benefit from your good. Do things that don't have an immediate payoff. And then finally, do things that challenge cultural norms. Philippians 2 says that we're to be a light to a society that is perverse, that is in darkness, that's groping in darkness. They, they cannot find their way out. If we're going to serve courageously, we we need to be different. We need to be counterculture. We need to face cultural issues and justify God instead of ourselves. Uh, Let me give you an example. What about the movies we go watch? Are they all what they should be or do they have a little bit? And so here's what we end up doing. We end up justifying our actions. Well, I know that movie has this and this and this in it, but, you know, all in all, it's this. And so we justify our actions going. We find all the reasons we can to accumulate to try to overcome whatever it is that's deficient about the movie. And instead of justifying God's high and holy standard, we end up trying to justify lowering those standards and doing what everybody else is doing. What if we live counterculture? What if instead of justifying actions that we feel we have to justify, what if we just justified God's holy standard and say, I don't do that because God... I'm not going to go to that because God. What about the music we listen to? How many themes, how many songs are about themes that are unholy, ungodly? They're themes about things that will keep people from heaven who practice them. Didn't Romans say not only will those be judged who do such things, but also those who take pleasure in those who do such things? Can I find pleasure in songs that sing about sin? And unrighteousness i 'll try to justify myself well it's not i 'm not doing it and I, and it's I know those things are wrong, and I know i 'm not promoting this and that and and I, see, I can spend time justifying myself, but instead of justifying yourself why don 't you be courageous and justify god 's high and holy calling and say i don 't do that i don 't listen to that because God well what about the the Way we dress. Oh, there's ways we can justify the way we dress that's inappropriate, but wouldn't it be better just to justify God and His standard? You see, that's how we can live courageously. It's not easy. Oh, I think it, it challenges us just like it did in other times. The, the, the consequences are a little bit different. We don't stare death in the face, but we do have to make daily decisions that reflect our discipleship, our faith. Are you courageous? Are you just trying to get by with the minimum? Are are you justifying things that you know deep down you shouldn't be doing? Jesus wouldn't do them. He wouldn't participate. I want to call us to courageous faith. Uh, furnace faith, if you want to call it that. And, And I want you to think about this too. If today, in the permissive society in which we live, if you won't stand up for God and say no, when the consequences may be that you lose a friend or you get laughed at or you're called weird, Would you lay down your life? Would you walk to the furnace? If I wouldn't do the lesser, I'm pretty sure I wouldn't do the greater. Let's be men and women of faith. Let's leave here courageously and let's seek ways in this society that we can live out a courageous faith. And I'll tell you, you can start right now. Because there may be someone here this morning right now who has not yet been baptized into Christ. Oh, you know, you should. You plan to. You've just put it off. There may be reasons that hold you back, but whatever those reasons are, what's going to take precedence? Are you going to be strong and courageous and unafraid and do what the Lord asks you to do? Or will you sit still, go your way, still knowing you need to do what God has called you to do. Be courageous this morning. Obey the gospel if you haven't. If you're a child of God already and there's sin in your life, be strong and courageous. Ask your brethren to forgive you. Ask God to forgive you. Ask your brethren to pray for you that you be stronger. If we can do that for you, we invite you to come as we stand together and sing.